Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye. Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown. Good morning, Matt Jones, and happy October really starts today. Because you know why? I gotta get all I'm I'm charging all of my devices. I actually have a couple of old iPhones that might not have been turned on in a couple of years. I'm gonna see if I can get these things all online. Along with the iPad, there are four Major League Baseball playoff games to watch today, and I am intent on watching every single one of them. Maybe every pitch, maybe like 85% of the pitches, something like that. So uh, fired up about it, man. This is when I really start watching Major League Baseball. Oh, October. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a great day. Great October to be here. Got uh, Got some soccer matches as well. Got a little Champions League going on today, and... I, I was given a given a once over to the the baseball playoffs. Any of these teams? Now you get a little hot in baseball. Get get hot. The the thing in football, NFL playoffs is just get in the tournament. Get hot. You've seen the Pittsburgh Steelers do it as a as a as a eight seed, I believe. Any of these teams you think can lift the commissioner's trophy? Rangers can um, if they're if they find a way to upset the Rays in this series potentially. You know the thing about this first round, Matt, is that all the games are played at the higher seeds ballpark. There aren't they, there are no travel. No travel. Days. Yeah. There is no back and forth. This is a best of three. Used to be you know just a single game. So uh, you got to have a good road record. The Rangers do not. The uh, <laughs> no, no, the Blue Jays do. I could see the Blue Jays beating the Twins. I think really, I if I were looking in the National League, I'm looking at the Phillies. I think is the most dangerous of the four teams that are playing, uh, and in the American League, it's the Rays. I mean, they're playing they're playing in a in a first round with ninety nine wins, uh, and um, I think either one of those either one of those two teams. But you know, watch watch the team with the worst record in the postseason. The uh, the Diamondbacks find a way to pull it off because it's such a ridiculously crazy sport. It's That's uh, why I love it so much in October because I don't I don't I never have a team to root for in October. It's just it's like you always say. Go baseball. That's kind of how I feel about it. Go October. It's uh, it's it's a great sports month, and uh, there's a lot of great action going on this month. And thankfully, maybe the heat will start to give a little bit. We got some rain coming into the area over the next couple of days, so uh, the, the, it's fall. Feels like fall. I hung out outside a little bit last night. Leaves are all around. You got the beautiful foliage on the way towards. Uh, well, really, not just up towards Northwest Arkansas. It's really across the whole state. And, um, you know, historically, what's been a, a difficult month over the last two, three seasons, really for the last five, six years uh, for Arkansas football. October sometimes can be a bit of a house of horrors. Um, but see if they can turn things around uh, this uh, Saturday at Ole Miss. Obviously, that's where we'll be spending the bulk of our time on halftime today. And um, I do have to say, um, you know, I, I, we, we, we spent so much time yesterday, Matt, on, on the offensive line. And, and rightfully so. I mean, you, everybody's watched which, what, what we've talked about for the last few weeks. Um, they're not standing pat. You know, listening to Sam Pittman at his Monday press conference yesterday, at, at least for the start of the week, it, it, is, it, does, it isn't at all the, uh, the idea of this is exactly the way that we thought it was going to work out and we're just going to keep plowing forward and we're going to keep everybody at the same position. We're going to keep doing the same things. That's not at all what, uh, what Sam Pittman is talking about. In fact, he's talking like this. We're going to look at some different scenarios up front. There's a difference in panic and a difference in really, really reviewing what we're trying to do and who's trying to do it. So we may shake up the offensive line a little bit. You you have to practice it, so you have to see if what you think might work works in practice. So yesterday at at practice, 
the writers and journalists who were there uh, saw these following changes. You had Brady Latham at right guard, Josh Braun, pardon me, Brady Latham at right tackle, Josh Braun right guard, Patrick Kudis moving to center where he backed up last year, Bo Limmer moves to left guard, and you get Devin Manuel still at left tackle. It's, uh, it's putting some of the more inexperienced players in Kudis and Manuel next to guys that have a lot of experience. Uh, but there's another thing that Sam says there, Matt. I mean, this is Tuesday that we're talking about this. He said that Monday. So you got a couple of days, at least in practice, to see if this lineup on your offensive line works the way you want it to work. I do wonder if that's how they actually line up on Saturday. But uh, I like the idea of if it ain't working, go Yahtzee on it a little bit and see if maybe another lineup might work. And that's what they're doing. So, I mean, it's... It's that's to me that's coaching. It's it's trying to see something that works because what 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 you saw this past weekend did not. Yeah, there, there's talent there. I, I like that. I like that Kudis at center. That that's his more natural position. You, I think you have players maybe playing more at their natural natural position. So uh, I, it's a good little shake up, and uh, we're gonna need it. I mean, we're gonna need every all all eleven guys on offense, all eleven guys on defense going in this old miss this old miss teams for real. These coaches did not forget how to do what got them to where they are. I mean, <laughs> you, it's the same idea as, um, and, and it's not to compare them to, to Bill Belichick, but the Patriots right now are terrible. I mean, they're really, really bad. Bill Belichick has not forgotten how to coach the sport of football. So in that same vein, and again, it's, it's like comparing college football players to NFL Hall of Famers. It's difficult to do that, but you'll get the point. Sam Pittman has not forgotten how to coach an offensive line. And to go a little more granular with that, neither has Cody Kennedy. I brought up Kennedy yesterday. You know, he, he was originally hired to be the tight ends coach after the 2020 season coming from Southern Miss and then Tulane. He'd done really well at Tulane as the offensive line coach there. They were top 20 in rushing in the country both years and had a high-powered offense. Comes to Arkansas to be the tight ends coach. Brad Davis leaves for LSU. Kennedy is elevated to that position. Um, and while he has been the, head, the, uh, the, the offensive line coach at Arkansas, you've had the seventh best rushing offense in the country last year with the sixth most rush attempts. So that means you, the defense is kind of new. You were getting run on the ball. And, and you were still able to average over six yards per carry. You know, the difference is not in the head coach. The difference is not in the offensive line coach. Although, you know, when you see some of the video coming from practice yesterday it does seem like Sam Pittman is spending some more time with the offensive line not taking over not being the O-line coach while at the same time being the head coach but he's spending some more time there but my my whole point with this is that you don't have a different head coach you don't have a different offensive line coach you do have a different offensive coordinator and a different scheme that goes along with it but I don't think Cody Kennedy forgot how to coach offensive line it's just trying to figure out how to get this to work, the moving parts all coming together. Because the last two years at Arkansas, you've pretty much had the same personnel with the exception of left tackle. And it's a, it's a different personnel group right now. But at some point, your track record does speak for itself. And, you know, Kennedy's got about four or five years of a track record of putting together offensive lines that can open up holes for running backs and, and quarterbacks to gain yardage. So I would like to think that here at this point where that stuff is not happening very much, that you try to figure out how to put that together. Maybe it works this Saturday. Maybe it works later on this season. Maybe it doesn't. But I don't think the coaches have forgotten how to do what got them to the University of Arkansas. Yeah, if you're an offensive lineman, uh, you, you got to look each other in the eye. Uh, you got to look yourself in the mirror, and, and, and you got to get better. And it's never fun when the head coach starts pop starts popping into your meetings because you're not doing well. You know, you like it when it's just your position coach. There's a reason, whether it be the tight ends, the D backs, whatever. When your head coach isn't isn't in in the quarterback meeting more often than not, or he's in some other meetings, just kind of making sure it means you're not getting your job done. So all you can do is band together. All you can do is look at each look each other in the eye, uh, look yourself in the mirror, and 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 go get better. Sam Pittman yesterday also spoke on his role with the offensive line. On the field, not a tremendous amount on the field. You know, we've got a great offensive line coach, same one that led to Power 5 in Russia two years ago and 
Yeah, the same one that everybody tries to get is when the season's over with. So off the field, I have a lot of, uh, what's the word, input. Uh, not input. I, you know, it's not counseling either. It's off the field, I have several questions about what we're doing, how we're doing it, this, that, and other. I want to be conscious that I didn't want to overstep anybody's boundary as the offensive line coach because we've got a really good one. He'll get it fixed as good as anybody can. But I think he, if he's going to get it fixed, it'll come with some input from Sam Pittman. And and rightfully so, because that's that's his expertise in the sport of football, specifically is that offensive line. And he was getting after him a little bit yesterday, at least in the in the video that I saw on Hogbeat that uh, Mason Choke must have, must have put up there. So, um, you know, you have to be good in order to make it to being a head coach or an assistant coach in the Southeastern Conference. And maybe maybe the, the record speaks that you didn't have a lot of success there, and, made, and so you looked at it as unsuccessful. But I don't think you're a bad coach when you are working in the Southeastern Conference. You just don't, sometimes don't get the results that you're working towards. And you add another, another face, another voice, another message. It's the same message, just conveyed maybe a little different way. You know, the kids learn a little different. Hearing it from a different voice is, is always good. We all want the results. Hey, everybody does. You, me, them, everybody. That's a fact. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Happy baseball playoffs, Chuck. Uh, this is my favorite time of the year for baseball because um, I don't have to worry about the Pirates in October usually. So I watch as uh, someone that uh, doesn't really have to worry about a win or a loss. I just like to watch good baseball. You're a Cardinals fan. Do you watch as a detached fan of baseball or do you just like, hey, my team's not in this. I ain't paying much attention. Well, I'll watch a little bit. You know, and it just kind of sort of depends on how it goes. What uh, what grabs my attention? I guess if I was pulling for the favorites at this point, um, I don't really know who I'd pull for, to be honest. Probably Baltimore, that's you know, among too. the team that are the favorites. But if I was going to go with somebody that's an underdog, um, I've always liked Skip Schumacher, Shoemaker, uh, manager of the Marlins, was with the Cardinals. I've always liked him, so I guess I'll pull for them in the National League. Marlins but I don't expect him to win it. No, no. You just never know with this sport. You just, you just never know. Um, well, I'll probably be watching as much as I possibly can while I'm... Uh, I got a Little League game to be at later tonight, and I think the baseball playoff would be more in- interesting than that. Um, It'll last longer. Mm, yeah, probably so. It's an hour of 45 for Little League. Um, there'll be a lot that's more passball. That's, that's a that's long true. Little League game. No kidding. They do this at Junior Deputy. It's an hour and 45 minutes for these 11- and 12-year-olds. That's a long game. Starting at 7.30, everyone's got to go to school the next day. Anyway. Wow. Chuck, Chuck, I was uh, – NBA, a lot of camps are reporting. Uh, I, I didn't know how much you've – if you've been keeping up with the, your New York Knicks. And I, I saw where Drew Holiday went to Boston and Dame Lillard went to uh, Milwaukee. So the, the East kind of got a little shakeup this year. I saw that. Um, you know, I just kind of – pay attention here and there during this time of year to the NBA, but I did see where Holiday went to Boston, and I knew that uh, Milwaukee had gotten Lillard. Uh, I guess Portis is still with the Bucks. He's not moved. They've moved some guys around during the offseason. It sounds like they've remade a lot of their roster. Are, are they doing this in-season tournament this year, Phil? Are they, I think so. Yeah, they yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what, what do you expect, or what are your thoughts on that? I have no that? idea. Yeah, I yeah. have no idea. I, I, don't, I don't know what to think about it. 
I just don't. I don't know either because I don't know what it is. I don't know how this tournament is. It like work, a March or, Madness where it's a one and done type thing. You just expect, have a bracket style. Hope whatever they're doing, that it would have something to do with the actual, the, you know, seeding in the playoffs. You know, the thing that matters. It's a standalone. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of the old county tournaments. You know, you play a county tournament in December or something. Didn't have anything to do with anything other than just you know winning the county tournament. That's what they did in my hometown. And uh, kind of reminds me of that. Just have a midseason tournament. I don't know what it's going to mean. I don't know if anybody's going to care. But that's what they're going to do. We've talked with you uh, when it comes to playing sports, mostly about golf. Now, you're talking about county basketball tournament. What other sports did you play as a, as a youth or in high school? Oh, I played them all, but I was not any good at any of them. My athletic ability screamed radio announcer. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, what position? I never played football, all right? I, I, I've watched it my entire life. Never played. Parents wouldn't let me play. Did, Smart. What, what you, did you, you play, probably, Chuck? yeah. Oh, I was an offensive lineman as long as I played. I didn't, I, didn't, uh, I, didn't, I didn't play on through high school. And I was a catcher for baseball. I played and, first base. Okay. Are you, you're, you're right-handed. Hey, none of us. There's only one in this conversation right. that even should be talking about their athletic career. You and I didn't have one. Well, we bring I mean, up Matt's athletic career every day here. Well, day. I, I mean, we don't have one. I didn't train to be an athlete. I trained to be a broadcaster. Was uh, now I, I, You talked about Joe Torre, I think, playing. Joe Torre was my What was your player. number? Yeah, what was your number when you were a first baseman? Well, I always tried to wear number nine. That was his. Uh, that was his number. I think maybe number six for a couple of years. You know, they um, back then in the little league, you didn't have like you didn't get to pick your own jersey mm-hmm. number. You had like you know one through however many guys were on your team, like one one through thirteen or fourteen. I don't know, maybe more than that, but uh, six for a little while. I was I was watching Matt while we were talking about you know what we did and he's he's got a smile on his face so he, I like he to hear the stories he, yeah love, yeah Matt loves love hearing it. about everybody else's athletic achievements that always makes me laugh oh man hey uh, I saw where Jerry Jones says that the road to the Super Bowl for the NFC goes through the 49ers and it's the Cowboys and the Niners on Sunday night I mean it I still go back to the days of the late '80s and the early really the early '90s and the mid '90s when those Niners Cowboys matchups were so awesome. Maybe this is one of those years where the NFC comes down to Dallas and San Francisco. Don't, don't forget Philly. Yeah, Philadelphia is still a factor, but I think San Francisco right now is, you know, I, I agree that the road to the Super Bowl, at least if you're an NFC team, goes through San Francisco. Uh, they're the team to beat. I think Dallas could beat them, but I think Philadelphia could too. That, I think those are the three best teams right now in the NFC. That that old Christian McCaffrey man, he he's he's kind of like a Marshall Falk where he he can get you. It's not just about his carries; it's about his touches, you know. And I think Rocket could be a little bit of, uh, like that against Ole Miss, where he might he might have fifteen touches, but it might be ten carries, and then you're able to get him the ball in the passing game as well. Well, here's the thing about playing Ole Miss: you better answer. I mean, when you think about the games we've had against Ole Miss, Matt, you played one. There's been others. You better answer. The idea that you're going to shut Ole Miss down, that's happened maybe once. happened in Fayetteville when they picked Corral off, I think, six times. Uh, that's the only time I can remember, you know, at least in the you know last few years when you just shut them down. Um, I don't think you can plan on that. I think you better plan on going down there and scoring points. You know, the last time in the Arkansas Ole Miss series where the winning team did not score 30 points, 2011. Yeah. You better be ready to score. You better be ready to score when you play them. They're freewheeling games. I think it will be down there. If Arkansas wins this game, they're going to have to outgun them. I mean, that's what's happened down there. You think about our great wins down there. We've just outgunned them, generally speaking. And so I think that that's – I think you're going to have to do it again. Hogs had a ton of ammunition in the first half last year. They won that game – only in the first half, and by the time Ole Miss scored three touchdowns in the fourth, it was already done. Uh, you're not going to have that kind of game. At least I wouldn't expect that this time around. I think Ole Miss, they look better, but you know what? We're only, we're, I think we're only going by this last win against LSU because they hadn't been winning SEC games, even at the end of last year. They were not winning league games. Well, I think the challenge for Kiffin this week is going to be able, you know, can he, can he get his team to play at the level they did last week? If they did, if he does... They do. <laughs> it's going to be hard to beat them. But, uh, you know, that's the challenge is to play at that level every week. 
Whether or not they can, I don't know. It's you know, if I was an outside observer, you know, kind of like you said earlier, I would I would wonder uh, what would their emotional state be this week. Would there be a letdown? I don't know. You know, I kind of hope so, but I don't know that that's going to happen. And again, I just think that's their challenge this week. Chuck, uh, there, there's another big one in the SEC, but I, I do want to ask you, just as a college college football fan, uh, your thoughts on this Oklahoma-Texas game? Well, you know, at the start of the year, I would have said Texas by a little bit. Now I'd probably say Texas by a lot. Having said that, though, this is one of those games where, I mean, it's cliche-ish, but you really can throw the records out. Lots of times we say that, and it's not true. But this is one of those rivalries where it is. Uh, there have been good Texas teams that have beaten good or bad Texas teams that have beaten good Oklahoma teams and vice versa. Um, I think it'll be a close game, but if I had to pick somebody, I'd pick Texas. Yeah, Texas had that. Their running back had 200 yards. Their quarterback had 300 yards, and they had a 100-yard receiver last week. They, they, I mean, they look unstoppable. And then you've got this Alabama A&M matchup for first place in the SEC West. Uh, what, what are you thinking there? Well, I'm going to be anxious to see what A&M's defense is like. They played Auburn and Arkansas, and there's going to be a step up against Alabama. Alabama has some quarterback issues. It seems like their best play is everybody go long and we'll clear it out, and Milrow's going to take off. Um, and sometimes that works pretty well for them. Uh, but I, um, I'm, I, you know, until somebody beats Alabama, you pick Alabama. But I do think this A&M team is really good. I think their defense against Miami uh, is still what people point towards when they have questions. And frankly, it's still what I point towards when I have questions. But that defense we saw Saturday was really good. Um, if they play that way against Alabama, they're going to win. I don't suspect it'll be quite like it was Saturday. But A&M's got a really good defense. And I don't know that, I don't know either, that either side is going to get into the 30s on this one. You know, last year, Alabama, which is, they were good. They just weren't as dominant as they usually have been. And that's the case for, for Georgia this year. I mean, they keep winning. They're just not as dominant. Do you view Georgia the same way that you just mentioned about Alabama? you got to pick them until they lose. I think they got an interesting matchup this weekend with Kentucky because, I mean, they ran for over 300 yards last week against Florida. I thought Florida's defense had started to stiffen a little bit, but, man, it looked like they got gashed. Yeah, Kentucky's pretty physical. I mean, they really are. I think they'll give Georgia a go, but I think Georgia's going to win. Um, Georgia's in one of those spots where, I mean, when you've won back-to-back, I mean, you can get fired up even to play a team like Auburn. I mean, you can say that, well, it's the South's oldest rivalry. Yeah, but, I mean, look at Auburn this year and look at where Georgia's been. I mean, the idea that, you know, they're going to view that game with the same passion maybe as a fan base, I don't know if that's true. Um, I suspect Georgia will keep winning. It may not always be pretty, but I suspect they'll keep winning. I think they'll find a way to win this game, but uh, Kentucky's pretty solid. Stoops has done a good job there. And just a last thought on, um, you know, Team Arkansas has played a team that they're going to be playing, Tigers. Tigers in Columbia, that's 11 o'clock on ESPN. Um, LSU coming off an emotional loss. Missouri is ranked now 5-0. and I'm not sure. I mean, they, I, I was impressed with the win over Kansas State. Everything else, I'm not too sure about Missouri, but I, I guess we'll find out this Saturday. Yeah, Kansas State's their best win. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, they struggled to beat a Middle Tennessee State team that's 1-4. and four. Uh, They beat them by 4. But they're 5-0. and oh. And, I mean, you've got to give them credit for that. I mean, they're 5-0. and oh. Now, the meat of the matter is about to come, and it starts this Saturday. Uh, I, you know, LSU is a better football team than Missouri athletically. Now, does that mean that, you know, Missouri won't beat them on Saturday? No. I mean, LSU's got some issues on defense. I don't know if Mizzou can exploit all those issues the way others do. But let's be frank. Arkansas's offense has not been clicking on all cylinders, and they hung 31 on them down there. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me to see Mizzou have a good day offensively and put some points on the board. But I just think LSU speed may be a little much. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo 
code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more Alyssa Orange, Pig Trail Nation, joining us on a Tuesday afternoon. Alyssa, how you doing today? What's new? I'm doing good. I uh, sitting outside doing some work. Uh, what's new? I don't know. Old Miss week. That's new. Yeah, that that <laughs> is new. You know, look did your head. Did your Dodgers make the playoffs? Who do they, who do they play? They did. They did. We, we played the winner of the Diamondbacks and the Brewers on Saturday. You expecting anything this October? You think it's going to be a disappointing one? I'm not sure uh, what they're going to do with their pitching. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I'm just happy to be here. No, I, I think that it's going to be a really tough test to get past Atlanta if they can get that far. Um, Atlanta's just really good right now playing some really good baseball. Uh, what's really cool is uh, the the Orioles being the number one seed over in the American League. That's just really special. My grandfather was a scout for the Orioles growing up, so uh, I'm going to hope that, that they have some success too. I feel like people say the same thing about Baltimore Orioles that they do sometimes about like Arkansas in football. It's good for the sport when they are good in that sport. Yeah. You know, just a good baseball yeah. team. Yeah. Um, Give me a thought on uh, what you think uh, Arkansas Ole Miss, since since it is Ole Miss week, and you know Arkansas has had more success against this program than any other SEC program in recent history. Yeah, and that's nice um, to, to to put some weight on that. Um, you know, I watched them play LSU and beat LSU. Like that's an offense that can move the ball quickly. And, and move up and down the field. And so that makes you a little bit nervous if you're the Razorbacks right now. Um, from an offensive standpoint, you look back two years ago and K.J. Jefferson had one of his best games, even though they lost that game in Oxford, uh, putting up over 400 yards of offense. I don't know if this offense can do that again. And so you just get a little bit nervous with this game and anything can happen. But can Arkansas slow down Jackson Dart in that offense and actually be able to put points on the board to make it competitive, that's, it's tough because this could get ugly and, and quickly if, if Austin Falls not able to stop them. Alyssa, it was so good to see number five back running the ball and, and catching that screen pass and going. What do you expect from him going forward? Yeah. And, and is, is he healthy? You know, you know, it was really good to see him. Uh, except for, I think, what, he had maybe 37 total yards in that game, and that might have been the hardest 37-yard Rocket Sanders has ever had to get. Uh, you would have wished it would have been maybe an easier transition back into the lineup, um, but just nothing came easy on Saturday. I, I do think he's healthy. I think um, he is at a point where this is about, you know, as healthy as he is going to get. Right, I don't think that they would have put him in if he was only at 90%. So I think Rocket is good to go. I just hope that offensively they can move some things. They said they were going to maybe make some changes on the line and make uh, it a little easier for Rocket Sanders to have some success back there. I guess I, I guess there's I mean there's two ways to look at the, what's going on on the offensive line now. You you never want to see these kind of changes five games into a season. You'd like to think that, and I think the coaches feel the same way. I mean, Sam said mm-hmm. that yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, they played at these positions because we thought this is where they was going to work well, and it, you know apparently it, it had worked well enough. I guess in yeah. spring and then and then uh, preseason camp to keep them at those positions. But if it's not working, you got to see if something else works. Yeah. So I like that they're tinkering with this. Maybe we see the same lineup on Saturday, but uh, they're not just standing pat. Exactly, and and that's kind of what you want to see is something being done about the problem. Not that they weren't doing anything, but to be able to say, yes, we are now going to make some changes because I know that how difficult that is in season. It's hard to make those adjustments when you only have a couple practices to figure it out, and they didn't do as much cross-training 
as they had done in the past this summer, because when Sam Pittman talked to us over the fall about spring camp, during fall camp about the offensive line, he wanted guys who could just get plugged into a position that they're used to and not do all this cross-training where they're having, if one guy gets injured, they're having to move three other guys around. But it didn't work out. And so now you've got guys and adjustments being made, and hopefully they find some success. But it, it's not easy, and it, it, it's not seamless either. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting. So you make some changes and it doesn't work, people are still going to be mad. Or if you don't make any changes and nothing changes and people are still mad. So it's, it's kind of a hard situation to be in, but at least they're trying different things. Alyssa, I didn't think um, after, what was that, week five that we'd be saying, man, we, we just lost our, our true freshman All-American tied in, which I, I thought he could have been a, a, an All-American if he would have continued on this on this track. Uh, how, how do we replace him in the aggregate? Who, who do you look for to step up and, and, and kind of assume his role? Yeah, that that's tough. You, you hate that for sure. Um, I think you have to look at Barkey's gums. I know he got a couple of looks last week. Um because of Luke Hodge being out. Uh, does he do anything? You have Francis Sherman who transferred over. Could he do anything? And then you have Ty Washington, who we saw really good things from in the bowl game last year against Kansas. He's only a sophomore, but what does he bring to the table? So they do have those three options over there. None of them are Luke has. Um, but can they come in? Because Gums and Sherman have played a lot of football at their old stomping grounds, and, and Ty Washington is a physical sophomore. So what can you get from those three to step up and, and possibly try to just at least supplement what has was getting the Ravens in that position? Um, what's your sense of the frustration level when, when you're watching Sam Pittman? You know, because, I mean, it'd be one thing to lose three games in a row, but, but uh, you know, at his heart, I mean, he's an offensive line coach. And, you know, it's just like everybody else is saying, well, you'd think at four, year four that the line is your strength. I would think that, that he would view it the exact same way. Um, when you hear him talk or you're watching during the games, what, what sense of, the, of, of, of frustration level from the head coach are you feeling? Well, you know, I know that Sam is frustrated. Um, he, he's not always someone who is going to – vent and outwardly put those frustrations um, out loud necessarily. Um, he is also someone who is going to have his coaches back. But you can kind of read it on his face that this is not where he thought he would be and the things that are going on. And there's, there's some things going on that, you know, injuries or issues or whatever may have you that I don't think we know everything about what's going on with this offensive line. Um, but you can tell that he's frustrated. You can tell that this isn't going the way that he thought it was going to go, and he's just trying to figure it out, while also still not throwing anyone under the bus and, and having his coaches back and taking, you know, he's taking it all on his own shoulders. And that's a heavy weight to carry. It's the weight that you carry as a head coach. And so you can see it. You could see it on the face after the loss of Texas A&M. You could hear it in the post-game speeches. Just he is, this whole team is tired of losing. And at some point, you got to do something about it. And, and maybe that frustration turns into anger a little bit. Like maybe the team just needs to be angry for a minute and, and, and take that anger out on Ole Miss and figure something out so you can feel it. Yeah, I think you're right. I have to ask about the state fair. Matt and I were, were kicking around <laughs> rides and food from the other day. And in fact, I see Evan's video here. Matt, she went on the exact yeah. ride that I told you I would not the go Gravitron? on. The Gravitron? The slingshot. Oh, oh. Go on the Gravitron. There's a video of Alyssa and Evan on the slingshot. And then Evan is hugging the earth when he gets down. I don't know where Alyssa was. She was probably puking no. somewhere. How did you survive no, that no. ride after eating was, all those fried was- foods? Well, first off, we did it first. So Evan manipulated the editing. We went on that first before he ate anything. So that's the good news. Uh, but it was awesome. I love thrill rides. That thing was cool. And, like, when you got up to the top, 
you could see the skyline of Dallas, everything was lit up, like it looked great, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm falling, I'm falling, and then looking around a couple of times, I mean, it's been just 70 miles an hour. It was awesome. But I've always loved thrill rides. I grew up down the street from King's Dominion in Virginia, and we had season passes, and it was like, how many roller coasters can I fit in in six hours? It was awesome. So when you go to one of these events with Sawyer, is is he also uh-huh. a thrill ride guy? Because sometimes the couples yeah. don't necessarily go on rides together. Sure, yeah, no, he'll go on some. Um, he'll go on roller coasters with me. Absolutely. We went to. We were in uh, Los Angeles in 2017, and I was pregnant. I was about three months pregnant with Finn now, and we went to Disneyland, and then whatever they have across the way. Um. But we realized the best approach for couples is get in the single rider line. I don't have to ride beside you. We can just get to this line really quick. So we were roller coaster hopping all over the place. Sounds like a heck of a lot of fun. Um, your dolphins. So your dolphins, I did not see them losing to the Bills. But I think it's pretty obvious right now who the two best teams in that division are. And I uh, can't wait to yeah. see them uh, go at it again. Yeah, um, a, a couple things. One, I'm glad that the game at the end of the year is in Miami in December. And two, um, I don't think anyone was beating the Bills uh, on Sunday, even if it was the Dolphins. They played so well. Josh Allen was uh, just dialed in. It was DeMar Hamlin was getting his first start of the year um, coming back from what happened last year. I mean, just everything lined up for the Bills. And it looked good early, but they couldn't stop them. And so I was impressed with the way that the Bills played. They were not the Bills who opened up week one with three turnovers at all. And uh, and so I tip my cap to them. I still think the Dolphins are a very good football team and making that game at the end of the year even more exciting. They're still fun to watch. Yeah, y'all get to y'all get the punching bag, the New York Giants next week. So y'all y'all will be all right. Yeah, I think we're gonna be all okay. It's been fun. Are you guys? How are you guys feeling about all this Taylor Swift stuff? I mean, it's what's wrong with it? It's, I don't. Maybe the coverage nothing, of the game is a little different because she's there. But what's what's? I mean, what's wrong with it? It's it's two um, like immovable forces Taylor. that are colliding together. The NFL and is it and Taylor Swift and and is it real or is it just about money and clicks? You know what? Even if you know what, it's it, still regardless fun. of what it is, it's fun. You know, I mean, it's it's fun. I like Taylor Swift. I don't know if I classify myself as a Swiftie. I'm not obsessed like Courtney Mims is, uh, but I like Taylor Swift and I like football and I think it's fun. Look, Alyssa, I'm, I'm no, enjoying it. Alyssa, I'm no Swifty, but are, do we really think Taylor Swift needs the NFL or Travis Kelsey to get no. attention or to get clicks? Like, no. have you seen she no, is she, selling, no. she sells out NFL stadiums that won't sell out yeah, NFL games. On her own. Yes, with four tickets. I know. <laughs> I know. And so, no, she doesn't. And so, no, she, she does not do this for her own publicity. I don't think her and Travis Kelsey sat down and, and said, hey, I need more publicity. Will you help me out in this deal? You know, will the relationship work? I don't know. We all know Taylor and her relationship haven't always worked out. But eventually there is going to be one that will. And maybe it's this one. She's never dated an athlete before. Maybe that's what she needed. Who knows? But for right now, I'm enjoying it. The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. 
Bill King is the king of college football talk and hosts on Nashville Sports Radio Monday through Friday from 6 to 9. And we appreciate his time on these Tuesday afternoons. Hey, Bill, how are you? Hey, guys. What's up? Uh, frustrating football for Arkansas, man. It was uh, not a pretty sight against Texas A&M. Saw some good signs in a loss, albeit against LSU. And um, the Aggies just kind of physically were dominant on uh, on Saturday. It's uh, I'm really impressed with Texas A&M's defense. And I think their matchup with Alabama this Saturday should be a really good game. It might be who wins the West. We'll see. We've still got some negotiating to do there with other games. But you could argue A&M's the best team in the West. Maybe at the moment, I think that's a moving, fluid situation. But and and Ole Miss was a nice W there. Gave up a million points, but still won the ball game. So who knows? Yeah, and that's who the Hogs have right now. The West is crazy, isn't it? I mean, you yeah. you've got your clear cut favorite in the East, but then there's Kentucky, and then there's I still don't. I'm not in on Missouri. I'm kind of in on Kentucky that they ran for over 300 yards against Florida. Do you believe in the Wildcats? They're a mini Georgia, and obviously not close to Georgia and they played this weekend, but structurally, fundamentally they're similar. They're tough, rugged football teams. Now, you could say Kentucky runs the ball better. Ray Davis, I thought at halftime Ray Davis going to have 300 yards. He had, I think it was 207. Somewhere in there at halftime in that ball game, ended up with 208. He's a bandy transfer. And uh, they're a big, strong offensive line. Devin Leary's not been real good, but he's been solid. He's been decent. Maybe not quite as good as I thought he would be, but good enough. And uh, they're they're really good. Tennessee's kind of fickle. It's it's tough to say what you're going to get every week, but yeah. Arkansas is making some changes on the O-line, shuffling some people around. When when you're looking at this Arkansas-Ole uh, Miss matchup, I think Phil had, had gave the stat that the winning team since, what, 2011, has, has had you had to have 30-plus points to win this game. That being said, do you give Arkansas a chance? What do they have to do uh, to go into Oxford and get a victory this Saturday? Can't have Quinshawn Junkins arrive and awaken like he did. He finally, it finally got him going. Big time running back at what a buck eighty, buck seventy five, whatever the number was. They got him going. So now they're balanced, very balanced. They've got really good receivers. Dart's playing his best football in his years there. A couple of years there, he's playing his best ball. You're going to have to try and limit them somehow. Now I don't know which poison you pick, but and you're going to need. I think that stat holds up. I think if you're going to go and win that ball game. You're going to have to get up into the 30s to do it. It, it may take high 30s. Meeting another defensive score, too. It may take 12 people on defense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, go the opposite direction hey, of Notre hey, Dame. Guys, <laughs> Florida in a goal line situation. You know how Notre Dame There's a, a play in the Florida-Kentucky game where they had 13 on defense. Kentucky scored. Wow. <laughs> Oh my gosh! How about what that? Is, what's all of it? You know, it looked like Florida might have stabilized for a moment, or but I mean, they they just got it's kind of like what Utah did to him. You know, they Florida's kind of soft. It looks like if you punch them in the mouth, they kind of they kind of wilt a little bit. They did in that game. They, they obviously they got bullied and muscled, but I, I saw a want to out of Kentucky that I don't think was all there for, for Florida. And that's got to be a worry. Now, Billy Napier's got a big contract. He's got a long way to go in that contract. But I think there's a whole lot of doubt about the eventual outcome of his time there, for sure. Hmm. Hmm. Very very interesting. I was looking on their uh, on their roster page and their coaches they might have now nah, i didn't look at the rest of them but i was i was floored by the number of analysts and and uh, assistant recruiting video coordinators assistant to the assistant recruiting video coordinator and everything at florida they have a humongous staff over there i mean it's it's bigger than the staff i think that that they have at arkansas and it's <laughs> you get a staff that big they they expect turnarounds pretty quickly usually yeah, and they just don't. Now, now I'll say this. Before that game up in Kentucky, they had been, I thought, remarkably improved with the young defensive coordinator, Austin Armstrong, and had done a good job 
that was a setback there. That got beat on every level. Any level you want to get beat on, they did. They've been down offensively. That's not new news. We knew kind of what we were getting there. But, yeah, I think you guys have it right. They got punched in the mouth, and everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? And then what's the plan? Bill, uh, who, who do you have, would you say, your final four is? Do they they start coming out with the playoff committee after week six? And, and then also, um, that that being said, if Notre Dame wins out, do you see any? Do you see them being a, a final four team? Yeah. That means they will have beat Southern Cal in two weeks. That means they beat Clemson on the road. They'd be in. Now, what we don't know is how many undefeated teams are we sitting there with. I listed 11 teams. I've, I've eliminated one that are possible, and that's three out west, Oregon, Washington, Southern Cal, three in the Big Ten, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, three in the SEC, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, LSU eliminated. That was my list last week. Florida State and Texas. You said, and I think that's what you asked me, what would you do today? Mm-hmm. It would be Georgia. I would have Texas in there. I'd probably have Michigan at the moment. And then somebody out west, and I guess it would be UW, Washington, if we had to go today. I think if you're, if you're talking about the idea of dominance, you know, Michigan has been dominant so far. I don't know if they've yeah. played anybody worth bragging about. Uh, Texas has been dominant. Um, and, and that's a scary-looking team right now. Uh, do you have any sense that Oklahoma could pull an upset? It's the Red River rivalry, and we all know the history there. My problem, and you just alluded to it a little bit, Oklahoma has not played anybody who can fog a mirror. I I don't know what to measure them against, right? They look good. Dylan Gabriel, the offense, the defense looks much better. I'm good with that. But I don't know what that means big picture because there's no measurement big picture. That's happening Saturday at 11 o'clock local time, right? We're going to find out where they are big picture. I think Texas wins that game, but I'm interested to see what the what the competition's like for Oklahoma. Bill, uh, Colorado get back to winning ways against the Sun Devils this Saturday? Yeah, I mean, that was, look, they were way out of that ball game. Came back, cut it to one score. They can do, they can move the ball and score on almost anybody. They, they didn't really do much against uh, Oregon. But that's a wicked offense, and uh, they don't have their best player back yet. When he comes back in a couple of weeks, whenever that is, I haven't seen the, the ETA on that. But Travis Hunter comes back. You've got maybe the best overall athlete in America back in your lineup. But I still think, guys, despite that really good start, they're probably a 6-16, six, six yeah. which they're – guys, you could have bet it two – I believe two, two games. You could have bet the over, so that's way more improved. You know, you, I listen to your show uh, quite often <clears throat> on WNSR, and you guys will talk about any college football team in the country. You might be based outside of Nashville, but it is not a Tennessee-based show at all. This is college football. Um, yeah. How much – well, let me put it a different way. Has there been less talk of Colorado from your listeners in the last couple of weeks? Has the hype died down? Maybe, but it's still way more than historically on my show. Now, I was doing a show back in 1990, but it was on 1510. And that's when Colorado split the national championship that year with Georgia Tech. But hasn't died down completely because I'm going to reiterate a lot of Florida State fans in my audience. And not only are they up because they're playing well and they're excited and energized and participating, but they hate Dion. So that's not going to go away. That's that part right there. That's not going away. The interesting thing about Dion, so many people think that he's got this giant ego, and, and I mean, maybe he does, and he's got a reason to have that if that's the case. But they think he's all about himself. You know, I read, I read an article in The Athletic about Dion Sanders when he was a baseball player, and every single person they talked to uh, said that he might have been the best teammate they ever had in baseball. And he didn't have that primetime persona in baseball, he said he always reserved it for football. A lot of times, too, you know, like, I mean, I don't think he likes the cameras on him, but, you know, a lot of people would like that kind of thing. And the flash goes with the talent in some cases and, and the intelligence of being maybe the kind of coach that he appears to be. But I also see him making it about his players quite often. It's, 
It's the outside noise that makes it about Dion. I don't know if he really makes it about himself as much as some people think he does. True, and here's the other thing. As we all know, guys, there's an unwritten list of rules about how coaches speak and how they don't really isolate any item. They're kind of general and vague, and that's fine. Dion don't play that. Dion don't play it whether it's good or bad for him, his team, or the other team, and people aren't used to that. And he is very confident. I mean, he's a very confident guy, and rightfully so. He can honestly say that his job description in football, he did that better than anybody's ever done, and that's cover receivers. Nobody's been better than him. And he's he's he he wins everywhere he goes. I mean that that's that's just the truth. I think he'll be there with his with and, and you know I don't know. I think he had a plan at Jackson State with to coach his boys and and everybody. He said, "Hey man, I'm going somewhere. I don't know where it is, but I'm going to take you with me." So I think he will be at Colorado. Wise boys are there. What do you think the next step is for him? Like like do you think that it's it's kind of the world his oyster? Or do you see him coaching at a Texas A and M or an SEC powerhouse? If Shadour comes back another year, which he says, Dion says he is, then he'll be there. But after that, all bets are off. A school with already built-in resources where we're not talking about if and when, but it's here today when you arrive, I think he'll leave. I'll give you another quick story on Dion. When he was a high school coach, what, four years ago, they went to Knoxville and played a team that had T. Martin's son as the quarterback. And the, the Texas team went up there and beat him pretty bad in Knoxville. After the game, he was talking to uh, T. Martin's kid, the quarterback, who signed with Miami to play football and baseball, told him not to play football. He's not good enough. <laughs> wow. <laughs> After well, the game. Honesty and is guess, a, And guess what? He's right. We're all supposed to be honest about things, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's brutal. I guess we're supposed to be as honest as we possibly can about it. <laughs> Bill, nobody Lee- told, I, I can promise you nobody said that to Matt Jones when he was in high school. Promise you that. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.